0: I'm sure many people during the pandemic and even now, uh, maybe a raise of hands, how many people have gone to the grocery store to look for something, they expected to find it, and during this period of time haven't been able to find it? You've been searching around, yep, lots of folks. Uh, that happened to me with one particular item. I I kid you not, I was searching all over the place for this item. I was going to all these different stores. Nobody had this item. And this was an item that was just regularly stocked at the grocery store. You know what that, the item, it was the bread and butter pickle sandwich stackers. I I don't know what happened, but there was, they stopped making the sandwich stackers. And this item is crucial to one of the greatest sandwiches of all time. Like, I need the sandwich stackers. You can get the chips. They don't work because they're not covering the sandwich. That's why someone invented this. One of the greatest inventions of all time. So I use the sandwich stackers, bread and butter. It's got to be bread and butter. No dill. Not going to do the dill. To make peanut butter, jelly, pickle, and cheese on toast. It's the... Follow me for more recipes. It's the greatest. I am kid you not. And it's got to be the jelly needs to be a salty jelly. I do maple bacon jam. Taste of inspirations in my refrigerator right now. Greatest sandwich of all time. It's not the sandwich without the bread and butter pickle sandwich stackers. Does everyone understand? So for months, they were just out. I was asking people, hey, what, what happened? You know, is there like a uh, terrorist-raided the bread-and-butter pickle sandwich stacker company? But we go, when we go to the store, so week after week, I I would look and look and look, and, and I guess you could say my efforts were fruitless. Nothing. But we go to the store, we go to the grocery store. What's the purpose of the grocery store? Food, right? We go, and we expect to find now, we're spoiled in this country, hands down, right? This isn't happening in other places, you know, so I'm a, I'm spoiled, right? I'm, I'm used to my sandwich stackers. But we go to the store to find food, and we expect to find it there. And, and just like my sandwich is incomplete without the bread and butter sandwich stackers, and just like the purpose of the grocery store is to provide food and, we can say, fruit, Bearing fruit is part and parcel of the Christian walk. When people come and look at your lives, you should have plenty on your shelves. Plenty. There should be no shortage of fruit in the Christian life. And if there is, something's wrong. There's a virus maybe? Or maybe it's a supply chain issue. Just like bread and butter pickle sandwich stackers should be at Hannaford's, fruit should be found in the life of all believers. So let me ask you a question today. Are you bearing fruit for Jesus Christ? How much are you bearing for Jesus Christ? Is it a little bit fruit? You got to go searching behind the... In the shells for the fruit? Or is it a lot of fruit? Is bearing fruit for Jesus Christ and for God's kingdom a goal in your life? And if not, why? Five times in eight verses in chapter 15 does the word for fruit appear. Should we get the idea behind this passage, don't we? It tells us something. It tells us that it's a priority in In God's life for us, and therefore should be a priority in our lives. As a matter of fact, we see that all believers should be fruit producers. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should have some sort of fruit to show for it. And I'm going to argue even later, it's not even just a little bit of fruit, but God wants you to bear abundance, an abundance of fruit in your life. All believers should be fruit producers. Fruit and abiding, two words that are used throughout this passage. And we're going to get to the second in depth next week. When you go to a vine, when you go to a plant, and it's supposed to bear fruit, you know right off the bat whether it's healthy, don't you? If it's bearing fruit, you're like, oh, that's healthy. You can tell That, oh, okay, that's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's fulfilling its purpose. Same thing goes for the believer. One of our main purposes in the life of the disciple, in discipleship and following Jesus Christ, is to bear fruit for his kingdom. Healthy Christians, mature Christians, those that are submitting to God and those that are closely connected to Jesus Christ have fruit to show for it. So maybe you're wondering, how, how, can I, how do we do that? Maybe you're producing some fruit. Maybe you got no fruit. Maybe you're producing a little fruit. How, how do you produce more fruit? We're going to see two keys to this in our passage today. The first key is the gardener's process. The gardener's process aids us in producing fruit Verses 1 through 3 in chapter 15. Jesus says this I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. How many people are gardeners? You got gardeners in the house? Yeah, so-so. Yeah, You're like, so-so. I'm like, pfft. I'm the anti-gardener. Everything I touch dies. So we tried blueberry bushes. They're gone. So now we've replaced them with apple trees. Yeah, I'll tell you how that's going to go. I'm pretty prophetic, so... Uh, so I, I actually look for other people to do that work, farmers and other people to, to do that and bring it to the grocery stores for me. However, the disciples would know a lot about what Jesus is talking about. It's imagery that's used that is, is very, very common in their culture. So we have to understand the imagery because it's real important. Because if we misunderstand the imagery, we're going to misunderstand the truth that he wants us to grasp Jesus begins by assigning jobs and roles uh, to three group. well, two people and one group of people, right? So Jesus is the true vine. So the disciples would know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine. And the disciples would understand this because earlier in the Old Testament, The Israelites are referred to God's vine, and their goal was to bear fruit for God's kingdom. However, they failed miserably. As a matter of fact, it even says that they were bearing fruit unto themselves, and therefore were judged. Jesus displaces Israel, and Jesus, not that the church displaces Israel, but Jesus is the way now into God's kingdom. And in order to be a member of God's kingdom, you need to attach yourself to the vine. That's the only way. This is the last of the seven I am statements that Jesus says. And it's to his disciples. So in saying the I am statement, once again, he is declaring his deity. He's saying, I'm God, and it shows because if he's calling himself the true vine, that means he is the source of all spiritual life. When he says, I am the true vine, he is contrasting himself with everybody else in this world, all other systems of religion, no matter what or who it is, you will not find True, spiritual, eternal life apart from Jesus Christ. Does everybody understand that? You cannot attach yourself to anyone else or any other system of religion and find eternal life or find spiritual life apart from Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And we do that all the time. We try to attach ourselves, don't we, to things and people. We try to find life in those things and those people. It's going to fail. Jesus Christ is the true vine. And then he calls God the gardener or the vine dresser. And the believers, all the believers are branches. So we're going to talk about God's God's role here in a second in depth. But you're probably wondering what's fruit, right? We're talking about fruit. Am I actually bearing grapes out in my life? You know, is that what we're doing here? You know, so you're probably wondering uh, what is fruit. So we need to clarify that very quickly before we continue. That will be helpful so you know. So, four things I gave all C's, in case so you can remember easily. Character, conduct, contributions, and conversions. And you can kind of weave those last two together, maybe. But character, conduct, contributions, and conversions. Character in, in our being that we are being conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. Conduct our behavior so that we are obedient to him. We're not sinning on a a daily basis or on a consistent basis. We still sin, um, but those bad habits are being replaced with good habits in our life. Contributions, so that's your works that you are doing to provide for the kingdom. You're volunteering, you're giving tithes and offering. All of those things are a result of you being connected to Jesus Christ. And then conversions that's used throughout the New Testament, that bearing fruit is sometimes referred to bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. However, I want to emphasize something. I believe that one of the, the main points, one of the main ideas, especially because of the context and the connection of the branch to the vine, the branch then is going to bear the fruit that comes from the vine. And I think mainly we're dealing with character. So we're dealing with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These, these fruits, this fruit should be abundant and plentiful in your life. And then he goes in and he's talking about the process that which God uses in our life so that we can bear more fruit. And uh, a vineyard owner explains this process of of why they prune vines. Since 2003, uh, Matheson Wines has been producing high-quality wines in the Napa region, uh, in the Napa Valley region. In a recent newsletter they were asked to explain why do they prune in in their vineyards. He says, because if we don't prune, uh, the vine or the branches reverts quickly back to its wild nature, climbing everywhere with its long sinewy trunk and tiny uh, scraggly bunches of uneven grapes. Every year we need to assess the growth of the vines. And we need to decide whether we prune them back harder or we let them grow a bit bigger. Or return them to the same size and shape that they were before. Makes sense, right? He says part of the pleasure of pruning is its craftsmanship. It's like woodworking or ceramics. Blending form and vision and assessing the growth and adjusting the pruning cuts to the individual differences. Isn't that interesting? The vine dresser's job, the gardener's job in this instance is to do what? Assess the production of fruit. So God's not a real gardener, but God's role, the Father's role, is that he is looking at us and he is assessing the production of fruit and he is aiding us so that you and I can produce more fruit. And I'm going to say, in light of that, you and I need to submit to that process, don't we? That's where the hard part comes in. There are, there are two types of Christians in view in this passage. We're going to talk about those two. What are the two types of Christians in this passage? There is no fruit Christian and some fruit Christian. There's no fruit Christian, and some fruit Christian, and God's trying to get us to abundant fruit Christian. So, we can put ourselves in those little categories, go ahead and assign yourself maybe to one of them. Um, I know people are kind of looking at me funny right now, but I don't, I don't know exactly where I would fall in this category. I think I'm in some fruit, I'll actually be honest with you. But the So, the first guy, let's look at no fruit Christian. So, This guy is easy to deal with. What does God do with this guy? How many people have an NIV translation of the Bible with it? Anyone? No NIV? What's it say? Someone shout it out. It says he what? Cuts him off. Does it say cut him off? Yeah, cuts him off. Easy, right? If you don't bear fruit for God's kingdom, he's done with you. He just lops you off. He says, you're absolutely useless to me. You're done, you're garbage, you're thrown away. That's easy, right? Let's move on to the next guy. You got Someone's looking at me like, does that sound right? <laughs> does God, does God oh, no fruit from you, off with your head. You're just, you're absolutely done. He's just like, I'm going to move on to the person who's actually doing stuff for me. Right, I'm going to move on to the next guy. Does that sound that he cut you off? Wow. I was reading some blogs and they're like, well, Jesus is just using startling language. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty startling. I'm like, Whew. Hey, imagine as soon as we're done bearing fruit for God, if we're going through a period of fruitlessness in our life, which I'm sure none of us have ever experienced ever, right? He's just like, okay, see ya. It's been three days, no fruit, Bye. You're out of here. That doesn't sound like God's character, does it? No, so why does it say that? And people say that this is an unbeliever. That's not true. It's not true this is an unbeliever. We want to make it think, we want to think that, and especially they do this because of verse 6 later on. Because what does he do with those branches? He tosses, them, he casts them off, takes them away, and they're burned. Now, that is a judgment that is a disciplined passage or a judgment passage, but that's not what he's saying here. One of the first things that God does to those branches that are not bearing fruit is he lifts them up. The words in, in this verse are different from the words in verse 6. The one word, it means to lift up. They're radically different. The first definition of this word in the Greek is, means to raise up and to lift up, and it makes sense in the context. God's job is to help us bear fruit. God's job is to care for us and aid us in bearing fruit. So what I think is in view here is, you know. The gravity comes into play, doesn't it? We, we tend to go in the easiest direction. Branches are going to go low. They're going to hang low. This is a branch that is laying on the dirt. This is a branch that is in the mire. This is a branch that is filthy. It's a branch in which the dirt is, and the position of the branch is prohibiting it from being productive. And it's a branch that's in danger of rotting. So what does the gardener need to do to a branch like that? He needs to lift it up. This is an individual in their Christian walk. So they're saved. The union is never broken, right? They're saved. They're branches in Jesus Christ. But this is a branch. This is an individual, a believer, who has fallen into the the filth of this world they're mired and because of that they're not producing fruit this is a person who is in caught in a habitual sin that is just making them useless for God's kingdom his first response is not one of judgment but it's one of grace isn't it I'm sure we've all probably been in a position like that. We're stuck in the mud, right? Sin's got a pretty good hold on us. God needs to come and lift us up. I absolutely I love that picture. I love that picture. God doesn't God doesn't lop us, he props us. And what they would do, we do this with trellises, right? You you train You train the vines to grow a certain way. But they would also, in the ancient, uh, during this time, they would use rocks and they would prop the branch underneath the rock. And what is he doing when he does that? He's drawing us closer to the vine. Sometimes they would even tie him off. And he's creating in us, And reminding us of our need for him. And he's bringing us out of that dirt. He's bringing us gently out of that mire. And he's putting us in a position where we can bear fruit once again. That seems more like his character. And makes complete sense in the context that we are dealing with here today. It's a gentle aiding so that we can be put in a place, in a position, and in a state to bear fruit. The next guy, oh, I'm sorry. It, it, reminds, and it reminds me of that verse, right? This is the verse in Matthew. A bruised reed he shall not, what, break. And a smoldering flax he shall not quench, He's not going to put you out. He's not going to chop you off. He's going to help you and bring you closer to him. It's the, it's the next guy who gets the knife. This is the guy who, this is the guy who gets, gets the trimming. So what's the next guy? What does he do? So the next guy is the some fruit guy or girl. This one is, is bearing some fruit but needs a little bit of work, right? That's, I think we find ourselves in that, in that position a lot. Um, and, and this word for prune actually means to clean. And I think he's, he's doing two things here. So he's trimming back the dead wood. So God's got to lop off an arm once in a while on us, right? God's got to just phew, chop off some dead wood that's absolutely useless. And he's also cleaning us from parasites and fungus. So this is the cleansing process. That God uses in our lives so that we can bear even more fruit. And the goal isn't just extra fruit or additional fruit. It's much fruit. It's abundant fruit. It's plentiful fruit. It's fruit that everyone can see. No one's looking around. They're not playing find the fruit. You're not looking and being like, oh, yeah, okay, that guy, yeah, okay, I see something there. Looks like a withered grape or something. I'm not quite sure, but... That, some fruit. This isn't. This is abundant fruit that he wants. He wants us to have. If we're struggling to produce this abundant fruit, it is sometimes due to insects and parasites in our lives, or the dead wood that keeps hanging on and, and getting in the way. These are, and I, I, I want to say that number one. The person in the dirt probably realizes they're in the dirt, right? Hopefully you realize, wait a second, I'm laying on the ground here. This is pretty bad. I'm in the I'm in sin. These things are harder to see, aren't they? Parasites and and fungus and stuff like that. So God does this intricate work in our lives where He brings situations that reveal what's inside, right? That's always fun. Has anyone ever, ha- happened to anyone? Where he's actually so. Affliction reveals attitude, doesn't it? When everything is hunky-dory in our lives, we're happy people, right? We're pretty easy to get along with. We're nice to each other. But when we're pressured, what happens? Our hearts are revealed, aren't they? Isn't that weird? I think this is what God was doing on a regular basis to me in Long Creek. Every single day, I was confessing. Why was that? Well, I was placed in situations. So all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? I had about one or two. And then as soon as those were used up, someone else, I'd be like, no, I'm sorry. Compassion, that's gone. Bob had compassion. Uh, This guy had gentleness. You get absolutely nothing from me. You get harshness. You get bitterness. You get sarcasm. You get anger. You get frustration. You get all of that because I'm done with those fruits, and I was in a constant state of confession. I'm just like, and I would actually go up to my other workers who knew I was a Christian and I would say, um, Christians wouldn't act this way. I'm really sorry. This is not the way. Please do not judge Christianity based on my behavior today. Because if you did, you will remain an unbeliever. And it's just, the, And so all of these things were coming into play in my life and I just kept seeing what was inside. Now, on the outside, I left the prison. I'm like, I'm fine, right? Why? Because there's no pressure. There's nothing happening. God's not initiating that pruning sequence. He's cleaning us up because those are things that we have a hard time seeing. And his goal is what? His goal is so that we can be even more fruitful in our life. He's like, yeah, you got some fruit. Good job. Here you go. <laughs> I'm going to put you in this for a little bit. And you show me, you show me how, how, how kind and compassionate you are. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. I didn't know I was that bad. He's revealing that. So what? So we go to him. And he cleanses us from it. Isn't that what Jesus says? If you sin, he's faithful and just to what? forgive you, but also to do what? Cleanse you. There's a process there. So you're confessing, and he's cleansing. You're like, oh, okay. So the next time something comes up, maybe you're not, you know, wanting to take a kid and slam him on the floor and, and, and just do all these awful things to them. It was my attitude sometimes. I was so angry, and I, was, I wasn't gentle. I wasn't gentle, gentle left at 7 a.m. when I started getting sworn at by these uh, kids. But his end goal is for our benefit. His end goal is is to help us. And it is during this time, and this is why I say we have to keep submitting to his work. If we don't submit to his work, right, we're just going to stay in the state that we're in. We got to recognize what he's doing in our lives. He's pointing out the you know, we find out that we're fungi, right? Not fun guys, but fungus. We're just fun. We're covered in it, and it's not—it's not fun, is it? You're like, wait a second. I—I I signed up for Christianity because I wanted all the benefits. I don't know I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. I want to be comfortable. And you're like, I didn't sign up for this. This is painful, isn't it? I didn't sign up for painful. But listen to what he says in Hebrews, right? My, my class knows this. We looked at this verse in depth, didn't we? This is, is being trained and being pruned, is that fun? Do you guys like that? I don't know anyone be like, come on, Lord, what do you got for me today? <whistles> Bring it. All right. Trim it up. Cut me off. Do this. Wash me. Soak me. Dunk me. You're like, no way. It's not fun. But what's his goal? What does he say? It brings about what? A harvest. It's the same idea. Pain? Painful equals what? Fruitful, doesn't it? Submit to that work. And verse 3 tells us how he does that. It's one of the, it's one of the main ways that he does that. How does he do that? How does he, how does he clean us right here? It's what we're doing right now. He says you're clean, and this reminds us of what Jesus said to his disciples when, they're wa- when he was washing their feet. You're already clean, meaning you're saved, you're justified, you have my righteousness. However, you need to be cleansed. Why? Because you get filthy in this world. Because you get parasites, you get some fungus on you. You need to be washed And one of the primary ways that Jesus washes us, that God washes us, is right here. It's right here, isn't it? And we allow the Word to soak and to cleanse us and to purify us. That's His goal. His goal is transformation. That's the goal right here. It's a goal. It should be the goal in my life that I'm I'm being transformed by him that the mark that was that was uh, you know 20 years ago is is a completely different person today because of this I'm reading a, a, a good book right now and he, it's all about preaching and and one of his key statements is that preaching is transformational it, it's not informational it's transformational. Our goal, right, for preaching and teaching and all of those things is not that, that you walk away from here feeling all great about yourself. That's not, I mean, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be happy and joyful, but that's not my goal. My goal isn't to give you a bunch of life tips, so success and life tips for for some felt needs that you think you need to hear at this time or that I need to hear at this time. My goal isn't that you can parse Greek verbs or you can recount ancient Near East history and impress folks with all your biblical knowledge. What's the goal? It's that you're changed. That's the goal. That you leave here, we all leave here, applying this word to our hearts and being more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ that's that's the goal and remaining in his word is absolutely crucial to it and it is one way that we remain in Christ isn't it and it's one way we remain in his power which brings us to the next absolute necessity of fruit production is the vine's power is necessary to produce fruit, verse 4. Listen to how he, what he says here. Abide in me, it's command, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. When a hurricane hit South Florida... Norena's home was one of many that was severely damaged. Uh, the elderly woman received a, a settlement and the work began. However, the, the settlement ran out and the work was unfinished and she was left without any electricity whatsoever. Uh, that hurricane was Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew struck in 1992, and Norena had been living in the dark in an unfinished, no-power house for 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. No heat when the winter chill settled in. No air conditioning, and we know how hot Florida gets when Florida got hot. Not, not one hot shower. But she got used to it. She just got by. She got by with a small lamp and a single burner. Acting on a tip, the mayor of Miami-Dade County got involved, and it only took a few hours. Fifteen years took a few hours to get her up and running again. And she said, it's absolutely overwhelming to have power again. That seems unnatural, doesn't it? In 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 our in our nation that we live in, in, the United States that we live in, right? That seems not right. That this woman would go without power for so long. Folks, I feel like there are many, many, many Christians that live the same way. We're just okay not being connected to Jesus Christ. And because we're not connected to Jesus Christ, the result is what? There's no power. There's no fruit in our lives. One of the things that we, got to, we have to see here is that it, this is unnatural. If we look at a—he's talking to the disciples about, you know, very common practices. If we look at a brain—even for us, we, we know— The branch needs to be what? Connected to the vine, doesn't it? If it's not connected to the vine, it's not fulfilling its purpose as a branch. We understand that concept. So he's saying, you need to continue to abide abide in me, because if you're not abiding in me, if you're not remaining in me, if you're not dwelling with me, if you're not in a continual relationship with me, you're going to bear no fruit. No abiding means no fruit whatsoever. This is an absolute necessary condition in order to produce fruit. And this is the other word that appears multiple times in this section. There are really two conditions here. However, one only falls to us. Jesus is going to do his job, right? We don't have to worry about Jesus not doing his job. Jesus is going to remain in us as we are remaining in Him. It's we're the ones who 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 do what we're the ones we have to worry about. What we have to see is that guess what, the fruit that He is talking about does not come natural to our hearts, does it? No, (laughs) we're like no way. You know, our children do not come out of the mother's womb bearing compassion and love, and joy, and peacefulness, do they? If, they? if they do, they're really strange. Something's wrong. If anyone does not believe in the depravity of humanity, the sinfulness of humanity, I'm not sure you've ever been around children at all. Right? We, we, we come out of the womb, and we're like, we're the opposite. We're the anti-fruit. Right? We, we, we don't have compassion. We, we don't share you know, you know, you have to teach your children to share, don't you, right? Why is that? Well, because the opposite tendency is at work. We want to, we want to do this. You don't teach your children to say no, right? They say no on their own. That just flows. It's like their second language, right? So these, the fruit of the Holy Spirit does not come out of us. We, we always like to think of ourselves, especially in America, that like, we're just so good. I'm just such a great person. I have so much to offer. Everything's inside here. I'm all kind and gentle and nice. And then you get put in a situation and you're like, you're the biggest jerk I've ever met in my life. It's just not happening. So we have to get that idea out of our heads this fruit does not come naturally to our lives. In order to produce this fruit, we need to connect ourselves to the only one where it does come, who it does come naturally from. That's Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we're justified. Yes, we're declared righteous because of what he's done. But, but if we're a broken branch, we're not bearing any of this fruit whatsoever. If we're if we're not connected to the vine, right, the other stuff is going to start fl- flowing pretty freely. It's a spiritual power that we need. And it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a reflection of his character. We cannot produce this fruit on our own. And, and this idea of abiding is, a, is a, it's a deeply connected relationship to the vine. Jesus is not a Facebook friend. He's not someone we tag every once in a while. We send a little photo. Hey, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) How are you doing? All right, good. And then you forget about him for another month and a half. That's not what he's talking about here. This is the heart of discipleship. We've said it over and over and over again. It's not just Sunday. It's Monday through Saturday. We need to keep connected to Him. That's what it's all about. That's what He wants in our lives. And when we do that, we're going to produce fruit. It's going to be a natural outcome of the life of a disciple. Connected to Him. You know, I... I dwell with my, my daughter and my wife. And when I dwell with them, when I abide with them, I speak to them on a regular basis, hopefully. right? Hopefully we're, hopefully we're talking to the people that are in our houses and communicating with them. I share my thoughts with them. I share my, plan, my plans with them, my goals with them. I share my life with them. I can't imagine, and they do the same with me. I can't imagine not talking to them. I can't imagine them not being a part of my life. That's the same thing in the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. We should be absolutely inseparable. Remember our story of Helen Keller and her aide, right? She was she, she didn't know who she was, but she knew who her aide was. And she was part of her. We must communicate with him. Spend time with him. Abide with him. It reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha, right? Mar- Mar- Martha's all out doing being busy. Doing all these different things. Jesus says, Mary chose the better part. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. We can get distracted in this world with so many different things, and they might be good, but they might be taking us away from our relationship with Christ. Folks, if we're not spending time with Jesus Christ on a regular basis, don't expect to bear much fruit at all. It's just not going to happen. Our tendency, and, and there, there's two aspects to abiding here that we see in this passage. It's continual and it's intentional. It's continual and it's intentional. <laughs> you don't fall into abiding. It's just like obedience. You don't fall into obedience. No one's just like, oh yeah, I've spent like three hours with Jesus Christ. That just doesn't happen. You, you have to make it a point in your life, in our lives. We, we have to make it a point to spend time with him. And I just gave some, some tips as to what it means to abide. What, how, what can we practically do to abide in Jesus Christ? And it's definitely time, isn't it? It's time. The only way that we're going to know him better and know his word better is by spending time with him reading His word, praying to him, talking to him, coming to him. It's trusting in him. It's living a life of faith, taking steps of faith, communicating with him along the way. Remember last week? it's making his interests our interests. Making his priorities our priorities. Making his desires our desires. There's a lot of things we can do. This is the good thing. If we're Christians and we're followers of Jesus Christ, this is absolutely crucial to our life. He is the source of our spiritual life. And if we're not regularly staying connected to him, that's going to show. I thought about this. One of the biggest distractions is what our little phones, right? I hate when the, uh, at the end of the week, when it comes up and it says your average screen time, sometimes I don't even look at that. I just swip, swipe I just get rid of that. Delete. I don't want to see that. This girl, it's funny, the, the, this girl, Sophie, she's got a job. On her phone. Can you see that? What's the total time? Weekly total. 42. That's a job. That's a full-time job. On the phone. (laughs) That's a full-time job. On the phone. 42 hours. I put in 42.5 a week at Long Creek. That is 40 right here. And it's a problem, isn't it? Screen time's a problem. Distraction. What's our screen time with Jesus Christ? How much time are we spending face-to-face with him? It's going to show. And when you compare these statistics with the ones of reading your Bible, guess what wins out right here? All day. Why? Priorities. Devotion. It just shows where we're at in life. One of the ways that we can fail to abide is self-reliance. We we go on. This is why God does a little pruning once in a while. Because we're going on on our own. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm great. I'm I'm doing everything great. Everything is going well. And then God brings something in. I'm like, whoa. You're like, whoa, what happened? You're like, well, you're just doing it on your own. And we remember how much we need him. Isn't that what he does? reminds us, hey, buddy, guess what? You ain't nothing without me. And when we make that a habit, though, we begin to realize that on a continual basis, and then the the pruning and the the cleaning is hopefully going to get less and less. If we're constantly abiding, if we're constantly saying, apart from you, I can do absolutely nothing, which he is going to say in the very next verse, then we're going to be dependent on that. And we're going to keep going to him. And we're going to do what? Bear more fruit. Be more fruitful for his kingdom. Christianity is both union with Jesus Christ and communion with him. Our union will never break, but our communion needs to stay intact, doesn't it? Because we're prone to what? Wander? <laughs> think there's a song about that? We're, we're, we're like those vines, right? We revert to our wild nature. It's all over the place, going out, dirt, you know, fungus, pesticides. We have to keep connected to Him. The result is much fruit when we do. And we need to see, as I said before, that it is much more than just coming to church on a Sunday. Imagine a branch just being connected once a week. <laughs> this is, that's silly. We think, in nature, we think that's silly, but in life, we're like, oh, I'm good. I went to church, hour and a half. Keep connected. Keep abiding. There's no point of being a, a branch if we're not. Part of the reason that we are saved is, is we're saved unto good works, right? Isn't, doesn't he say that in Ephesians? He, he goes over all the glories of salvation, all the benefits of salvation, all our wonderful inheritance in heaven. And then he goes, and you're saved, what? Unto good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should do what? Walk in. He's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for our lives. This is part of it. Closing up here, uh, R.C. Sproul tells a story. He, he bemoans the fact uh, that even throughout all of the New Testament, uh, it is replete. It's just all over the place about being productive as Christians. There's the judgment seat, judgment seat, you're judged by your, you know, the works that you've done for the Lord. You know there's always talk about bearing fruit. And he says, even though it's all over the New Testament, he says that he meets Christians, that don't share the same conviction. They they think that since they've been saved by grace, which we have, that we can just sit back and enjoy the ride. Just take it all in, right? And be utterly worthless for the kingdom of God. He shares a story about some of the responses that he gets from students regarding Essay questions. This is college students. He gives these questions and they go something like this Dear Professor, I didn't prepare adequately for this examination. I'm so sorry. I won't let it happen again. Please be merciful to me because I really do love Jesus. That's what he says. He says, basically, he thinks that he should not requ- they think that he should not require responsible behavior why because of their profession of faith in Jesus Christ he responds this way i'm delighted to hear the state of your soul <laughs> i've i've hope you've grasped the doctrine of justification by faith alone however when i grade i practice the justification by works alone <laughs> and he lets them know Yes, we're saved. Yes, we're justified. But God expects some things, right? He wants us to to produce that fruit in our our lives. And if we're not seeing fruit, something's wrong. Sproul goes as far as to say, he says, God saves us from our futility and calls us to be fruitful. I like that. Saves us from futility. Calls us to be fruitful for his kingdom. So here's the question What do our shells look like? You got no fruit, no bread and butter pickles. You got some, you got to find a little bit. Or is there an abundance of fruit on them? If you don't have a lot of fruit, it might be a virus. Pesticide, I mean, uh, insects or whatever. Maybe it's a supply chain issue. Maybe you're not connected to the vine. Just like all the stores should have bread and butter pickle sandwich stackers, all believers should be fruit producers. It is a priority for God in our lives. The question is is it a priority? us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your mercy. And thank you for the times that you lift us up and clean us off, Lord. Lord, help us to be reminded of that truth. Help us to continually abide in Jesus Christ, knowing that apart from him, we can produce no fruit whatsoever. Lord, I pray for each and every one here, for myself included, that today's truth would sink deep into our hearts, that you would cleanse us by this word, and not because of it, Lord. We would bear more fruit for you, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.